I want to jump right in, but first I'd like to pray. Uh, I just feel so strongly that this is from the heart of God and that it's supposed to hit all of us right into our souls for such a time as this. And so I'm humbled that I get to be the one to deliver it, but I pray that I'm the bow and he is literally the arrow, that we walk away remembering his words and his voice. So can we pray right now? Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you, God, that you are almighty and yet you desire to be with us and to carry us, to walk through this journey. May our hearts be open. May our ears be open to hear from you. I will speak imperfectly, but you are the perfect one, Lord. And everyone here, you know their story where they came from, where they are, and where they are going. So may we encounter you today. We say this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. What happens in the wilderness doesn't stay in the wilderness. You might have heard in our culture and statements, what happens there stays there. It's this false misconception that the seasons of life or the experiences, the encounters we have will not have long-term impact on us. But that couldn't be further from the truth. And I know for us, many of us feel like we may be in a wilderness season. Our whole world, a global pandemic, political issues, racial issues, everything that's coming to the surface right now wondering about your jobs and your security and your finances and food, all these things, we can find ourselves in a wilderness. But see, people of God, today the challenge is this. Because you are a follower of Jesus Christ, a follower of the way, you are called to be different than the world. You're called to do things different than the world. You're actually set apart a holy people, a holy people, which means when we find ourselves in these seasons, we shouldn't look or react like the world does, like broken humanity does, the coping mechanisms they go to, the things they look to and pursue to find meaning and purpose. We should look different. We should be different. Now, when I was in college, during one of the fall breaks, me and about eight guys decided we wanted to go and we wanted to hike through the Grand Canyon. So we went to a place in Arizona called Havasu Falls. It was beautiful. We hiked down there. We got to our spot. And the Havasu Falls area is plush. There's waterfalls. It's green. It's beautiful. But one day we decided to make the long hike in, about eight to 10 miles in and eight to 10 miles back. But that hike in was gonna go to the Grand Canyon. So we were hiking and going and we're young and we're strong and we're ready to take on whatever we find. And so as we're going in there, all of a sudden in a moment, the scenery changes like this. And just a snap, it goes from beautiful plush greenery to dusty, sharp rocks huge rocks, it's dusty. And suddenly in a moment when we look around at each other, you know, we're 19, 20, 
we looked at each other, we're like, yo, we're in the wilderness. I'm like, yo, guys, I grew up in Long Island. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Where's the macaroni? <laughs> it was all this realization of, whoa, the scenery has changed. Now it's a little dangerous. Like if we get stuck or make the wrong turn, we're in trouble out here. We're in trouble. See, the scenery suddenly changed. Now, how many of us right now feel like that? In just a moment, the scenery has changed. The climate, the terrain. The wilderness can be a fierce place, beautiful and dangerous, empty and full, calm and wild, unpredictable. And in the wilderness, there is testing, there is temptations. And the environment changes drastically from beautiful to scary, from certain with the trails you see and where you can get to, to uncertainty and feeling lost. In a matter of moments, everything can be different. There are seasons in our lives where suddenly the scenery changes and everything is shifted. I know for us as a world, we're all there. Desperate at times, confused, broken, frustrated, exhausted, hopeless, wishing things would just be like they used to be. If they would just be like they used to be. And we're peering back. But people of God, my challenge to you from the heart of God today is that we would be present in the wilderness. And I wanna focus in on one man, one man of God, David, King David. David spent many years in the wilderness. He didn't start off there and he didn't end there in his life, but there were these key moments and years where he was in the wastelands and the desert of Israel running for his life. And the things that took place internally, the surrender and what he did there affected the rest of his journey. See, what happens in the wilderness of our lives doesn't stay there. It has long-term, eternal impact. Now, King David is the most famous earthly king of Israel. He's the second most talked about person in the Bible after Christ. If you wanna understand the life of Jesus more, study the life of David and you will. Jesus himself is called the son of David, emphasizing he's the Messiah, he's the king to come. Now, David was a strong warrior, a mighty warrior, and he fought for the current king at that time of Israel named Saul. And he was faithful to Saul, but his fame began to spread and people liked David, respected him. And all of a sudden, Saul began to get his eyes off of God, off of the responsibilities and the position God had called him into. And he was more concerned about maintaining power and control. And because of that, his eyes shifted from God and began to look at David and he was filled with jealousy and anger. He wanted to murder David. And so David has to run for his life. He's now a fugitive. He's in the wilderness of En Gedi, there in Israel, where suddenly the terrain will change quickly. The desert, 
the wasteland. He's being hunted down like an animal. His humanity's mocked. He goes from the plush land to the rough country and he finds himself there for years. Now he didn't choose to go into the barren desert. He was chased there. What about us? Well, I think all of us can say as a culture and a people that this just happened to us. The pandemic we see ourselves in and all the things surrounding us, we've kind of been chased there. Others of you might say, I'm in the wilderness and it was because of your own doing, poor choices you made, mistakes, regrets. Someone else's mistakes and choices brought you in there. But no matter what, people of God, you're in the wilderness. And there, when David finds himself in this cold wasteland, he is tested, he is tempted. What would he do when life threw him into the wastelands? How would he react? Would he survive? Would he fail? Would he be defeated? Would he overcome? See, the wilderness will test us. When I was on that hike with all my buddies in college, we decided as we were going on that 10-mile hike in, we hit some trail markers we didn't quite understand. And so being very, well, currently educated in that moment, we didn't finish our degrees yet, so you can't hold me responsible for the next thing I'm about to tell you. We decided as intelligent men that the mountain goat to our right and the trail it was on was the better way. We're like, if he can do it, we can do it. Well, if you don't know anything about mountain goats, they can do things humans can't. And so we follow this mountain goat, let's go. And we are going, I mean, we, we, we were in the midst of it. We were feeling epic. And all of a sudden we got to an edge and we couldn't go any further. And we had to make some scary leaps to find our way back on the trail. We had failed that test. Now, my parents, I still haven't told them this story. Thank God my mother prays all the time. She didn't sleep that whole week when they knew we were hiking in the wilderness of the Grand Canyon. All I had to say was, we followed a goat and it led us astray, and that's true. <laughs> but there are tests and temptations that come our way. And you will either lose yourself or you'll find yourself. See, David was God conscious. He was God aware. God was on the forefront of his mind. God was the lens he was seeing things through. David knew that God had anointed him to be the next king of Israel, but he didn't quite understand the way things were going. He probably thought it would look very different than being hunted like an animal in the wilderness. But David was different than those around him. He was set apart. He didn't do it the way everyone else would have. And there's this one moment in 1 Samuel chapter 24 where we read that King Saul finds out where David is and takes thousands of men to go capture and kill David. And while he is on that journey with these murderous intentions, Saul decides he has to go to the bathroom. Nature calls and he goes into a cave, takes his robe, throws it aside, Little does he know in the back of those deep caves of Engedi, David and his men are crouched down. 
Their eyes are already adjusted to the darkness of the cave. They see Saul, the man trying to kill them. And they say to David, David, this is a divine moment. God has literally delivered your enemy into your hands. What a right moment. This, this king, he does not walk in justice or fear of God. He's hateful and jealous. What a moment that in his humanity, relieving himself, that he is slayed. This is such a God moment. And so they begin to charge after and David silences them and stops them. Because David knew he was called to be different, set apart. David sneaks up and he cuts a piece of the robe of Saul's garment. After Saul leaves the cave and goes a little distance, David and his men come out. And David declares and yells out, showing the piece of fabric he had cut. Says, I could have killed you, but I decided not to. Now hear me. There's a moment here. There's a moment that takes place. David spares Saul's life. See, any other earthly king in that time would even say, here is the moment for you to take his life and take the promise of God into your hands. For God has called you to be the next king and this man's trying to kill you. But David was God conscious and God aware. God was doing something different. And when David stands up and declares that he spared Saul's life and he would do it a different way, suddenly the holiness of God was on display. People saw the holiness of God. Some of you right now in this season Testing and temptation. Trials, the wilderness, the wasteland. You're gonna have opportunity to do something that the world and others would look and say, yeah, that's okay. Maybe little things you can skirt around your integrity or your witness, or you can cut corners. Because in the long run, it feels like it is a divine plan and it's a good thing from God and a blessing. And I'm telling you, you have a moment that if you do it different and you are God conscious and we're God aware and we see it through the lens of God, then it becomes a moment when you make the right choice, the God choice, the holiness of the Lord will be revealed. After that moment, Saul himself and all those with him and the other men who would one day bow their knee to David and call him king, they saw he did it different. Not only did he respect God, but he feared God and he was with God. We're called to do it different. There was David and there was Saul. David was chased into the wilderness and found God. Saul chased David into the wilderness and lost God because Saul's eyes were looking elsewhere. See, in the desert and the wastelands, we can either have a life of blasphemy or prayer. If you choose prayer, you're on the path of holiness. If you choose blasphemy, you're on the path of wickedness. You could either stand here in these moments and say, God, I curse you. Or you can get on your knees and say, God, I need you. Prayer or blasphemy. See, Saul and David both encountered the wilderness. But one of them came out holy and anointed. Will you come out? Will I come out holy and anointed? Will we be a people of blasphemy in these times or a people of prayer?
When the children of God find themselves in the wastelands and that terrain, it can become a sanctuary and a sacred place, a place full of God, full of his beauty. Not empty, full of him and who he is. And the difference is our pursuit. The difference is our approach and our worship. What will we do? Will we look and be different? I want to just read Psalm 57 here. This is penned by David when he is being chased by Saul into the cave. We have a window into his heart and soul. How did he do it? He did it the right way. And actually at this time, the band can come back up. Have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. He's showing us who he's pursuing. He's not trying to make things how they used to be. He's not following his preferences because he would not have preferred this, but he is running after and pursuing God. You will be my refuge. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. David knew who was with him, it was God. David knew how to approach God. He wasn't more concerned like Saul about maintaining what he had had, but he was ready to participate with what God was doing. See, if you in the wilderness just keep thinking about the past and what things were, and it's not evil to look back, but to try to get back is evil. Because God's got something for us ahead. Saul wasn't willing to yoke himself with the will of God for what was to come. It could have been a beautiful transition and blessing like a spiritual father to a son from Saul to David, but instead it became evil and wicked. Saul was now a wicked and evil king and David was a holy and anointed one. All about the approach. Who was God and who would he be to them? I'm in the midst of lions and I'm forced to dwell among ravenous beasts. Men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress and they dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. Now hear his worship. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake my soul. Awake harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. That means in the darkness. In the moments of restlessness as you're rolling around at 3 and 4 and 5 a.m., just in the midst of this difficult time in our world, let your praises awaken the sun that rises. In the darkness of the wilderness, David sings out worship and praise. When anyone else would say, why are you not blaspheming the God who made false promises to you? He'll say, no, his will is yet to come, but I will praise him and my praise will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations and I will sing of you among the peoples for great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens and let your glory be over all the earth. David was chased into the wilderness, but Jesus marched into the wilderness for us. Jesus creates a way for us, the path for us to walk in. He cleared the trail in and out. 
just a moment, I'm gonna briefly read Jesus's journey in the wilderness. Before I do though, I wanna tell you a quick story about my little girl, Emerson. She's three years old. And a couple weeks ago, we all know the blizzard we had in the snow and it was deep, almost a foot. We were in the backyard playing with Evie, our oldest, and then Emerson. And it was really deep snow. We were going back and forth in the backyard, but Emerson, her legs are like this long. She couldn't do it. And so she said, Daddy, can, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I said, okay, Emerson, let me get in front of you and I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna make a way and you just walk in my footsteps. Let me make a way for you. See, Jesus does that for us because we can't do it in and of ourselves. And if you don't know Jesus today and you're here or you're listening, I wanna tell you, he has made a way for you and he loves you so much and he has given the highest price so that you and I could follow him. But sometimes the footsteps of Jesus do take us in the wilderness, but he shows us. He shows us what to do and he makes a way out. Not like that mountain goat that led us to a dead end. No, Jesus is the lamb that was slaughtered, laid down his life so we could have a way. Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. What's sustaining you? What are you pursuing? What are you running after? Honestly, ask yourselves. I'm asking myself, what is sustaining me? What am I running after? It fills me up. The things of this world, the pleasures of the world, because when you're in the wilderness and it's hard and everything that was once easy is difficult. Everything that felt like it was a given is now uncertain. And so you have to ask, what am I pursuing? What's sustaining me in this? because there are such things in this world that give you these promises that they will fill you up and they will leave you empty and they will leave you bitter and they will leave you broken. The alcohol, the sex, the addiction, the drugs, the money, the investments, the power, the control, all these things, are they which sustains you? Jesus answers, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. God will sustain me, him and him alone. What do you mean it doesn't make sense? We've got to do it different, people of God. We will ask you, how are you walking through this time and doing it? You say, it is only by God and his strength. And every day he gives me that daily bread. He sustains me in ways that the world cannot. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. There's this moment, the enemy even using scripture to deceive. Would Jesus use religion to control God. If you're trying to use spiritual things to control God's movement or his presence on your life, you're not the one to test God. God tests us. We break when we try to test God. We go to manipulation and control. Don't use religion. Don't use God's words 
to try and control him. Instead, take the approach and the posture that says, I want to participate with what you're doing, God. I want to be a part of what you're doing in me and what you want to do in the world. Jesus says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. But Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Who will you worship? Can we stand up today? Those of you at home, stand up. Who will you worship, people of God, in this time? Who will you bow your knee to? What will you bow your knee to? Oh, Jesus gave everything. He made a way in the wilderness. And he made a way out for us in the wilderness. Who will we sing our praises to? How will we awaken the dawn in our day? Knowing another day's before us with difficulties, another day that feels like it's in the wasteland. Well, Jesus is doing something. We will not always be in the desert. We will not always be in the wilderness, but we will be present when we are there because God is in the wilderness and the wilderness is full of God. If we would just pursue him, if we would just bow down and we would worship him and we would know he is doing something in us that we will be able to give to the world around us. We are meant to do it different. At the end, Emerson couldn't make it any further. And I had to pick her up and carry her the rest of the way. Maybe you feel you can't make it any further. Oh, our God is so good. He will never leave us or forsake us. He has sent the Holy Spirit, who's the helper and the advocate, who walks beside us, before us, but also holds us and carries us. And the best way, the best way to say, I can't, God, but you can, is to worship him and you watch what he'll do.